God's grace and peace be with you all in the name of the resurrection and the life, Jesus Christ. We read from God's word from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 18 to 22. So the Jews responded, What sign are you going to show us to prove you can do these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. The Jews said, It took 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. When Jesus was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. Then they believed the scripture and what Jesus had said. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, what does Easter mean? We might try to answer that question in two different ways. You could think of it from the perspective of the word Easter itself. What does the word mean? Where did it come from? Why do we use it? Or maybe you think about the event of Easter, the occasion. What does it really mean? What is, its fo- what is it for? What is its purpose? Most likely, that question probably doesn't concern you too much. As believers of Christ, we know what this day means. This is the day that we remember the resurrection of our Savior. But wondering about the meaning of Easter might be more common and more important than you initially think. Like the other major holiday in the Christian faith, Christmas, Easter has taken on many different meanings today. For some, it's a time to give out candy to kids. For others, it's a time for family where we take time off of work and we gather together. Even for some Christians, it's about some of the things we did this morning, the breakfast, the flowers, the gift bags. None of these things about Easter in and of themselves is wrong, but they pose the danger of overshadowing the most important meaning. Some Christians also struggle with the title Easter and its impact. They prefer to call today Resurrection Sunday instead. Some people believe the word Easter came from the name of a mythical goddess in a pagan religion and that Christians unknowingly adopted it and have unknowingly up to this point been promoting this pagan belief. If this sounds familiar, it's because the same argument is also used against Christmas. A lot of people believe that December 25th is the day of a pagan festival, so it's wrong to celebrate Christmas then. But really, the word Easter just means from the east. And it talks about the east because that's where the sun rises. That's where light comes up. So with a lot of these things, when it comes to tradition or custom or what's the meaning of it, a lot of it is what you make of it. Obviously, if you think about Easter with, in connection with a pagan festival, I would discourage you from thinking that way. But that doesn't mean that's the only way there is. But what does it really matter in the end? What's most important to us is that each individual connects to Christ by faith. The historical meaning of these things, the present-day customs and traditions that we have, cannot undo 
what Christ has accomplished. And in this we take great comfort. But there's also a warning that's healthy for us to hear about these important events in our faith. How we make use of our time on Easter and Christmas. How we describe the importance of each. How we understand them in our hearts does make a difference. Our text today is an example of that very thing. This interaction with Jesus and the Jewish people took place during one of the most important times in the Jewish faith, during the festival of the Passover. This was the first time that Jesus had come to Jerusalem in his public ministry and actually spoke to people openly about what he came to do. Obviously, there was a lot going on from the Jewish perspective. To them, at this time, Jesus was an unknown. They had barely heard about him. They didn't even really know him. They thought he was some backwater prophet from Galilee. Essentially, their question, in other words, could be rephrased, who do you think you are? But this was deeper for the Jews than just a lack of awareness about Jesus. The Passover was their highest festival. It was their Easter, if you will. The temple, where they were was their most sacred structure. Previous to this discourse, Jesus had just cast out the money changers from the temple for the first time. And the tradition of the Jewish people of bartering and trading for animals so that they could sacrifice was also a deeply embedded into their culture. Jesus was disturbing all of this, to say the least. And on top of it, the Jews were doubtful that he even had the right to. Put simply, what Jesus said to the Jews was incredibly offensive to them. But this is, of course, part of the reason why Jesus said it. He wasn't just out there to buck their tradition. He wasn't trying to gain notoriety for himself. He wasn't overcome with jealousy for the other Jewish leaders. But Jesus was trying to make a point a point that he knew would offend the Jews. Jesus was trying to get them to see that the traditions they had attached to this important day had become more important than the faith itself. And because of that, they had lost their true purpose. Was it wrong for the Jews to celebrate Passover? No. Was it wrong for the Jews to venerate the temple? No. Was it wrong for them to bring animals to sacrifice? No. But it was wrong for these things to become more important than the very substance of it all who was standing right in front of them. What was wrong was for the traditions to become the focal point of their faith. So Jesus woke them up from their apathy and it offended them. Paul described the same issue when he ministered to the Jewish people who rejected Christ he said it even existed after Jesus had died and ascended and risen. In Romans, Paul says, The Jews pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, but they did not succeed in reaching it. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone and the rock of offense. God knew this was going to happen in his word. And that's, in fact, one of the titles given to Jesus is that he is the rock of offense because people who deny what he did stumble over his accomplishments. 
So how important are Easter traditions to the overall meaning of today? According to this lesson from Jesus, not all that important. And even more than that, these traditions can become dangerous if they replace the meaning that God has intended. The Passover itself was very similar. It was certainly rooted in tradition and history for the Jewish people. It was a remembrance of the time in their culture and in their history when God delivered them from Egypt. But it also contained a much deeper imagery for their spiritual lives, that of the undefiled righteous lamb that would be sacrificed so that God's judgment would pass over the people. That Passover festival, the many thousands of years that it was celebrated by the Jewish people, was fulfilled in the work and person of Jesus Christ. And sadly for many Jews today, it has lost that meaning. As Christians now who rely on the resurrection of Jesus, who commemorate and remember that resurrection on Easter Sunday, we would do well to ask ourselves the same questions when it comes to our traditions. But if the Jewish people thought that Jesus was being offensive by cleansing the temple, well, they were in for even a bigger message in what he would go on to say. In verse 19, Jesus said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. It seems from our text that the Jews should have known what Jesus was talking about here. Why else would he say this to them? Why would he purposely preach something that he knew was going to puzzle them? Shouldn't they have known that he was referring to his body? Maybe, but if I was in that moment, I don't think I would have known. I'm not sure you would have known. We know that even the disciples who lived with Jesus didn't realize it until after his resurrection. But maybe that was the point all along. Maybe Jesus wanted the Jewish listeners to dig deeper, to be puzzled a bit in their thoughts, and to seek more from God's word. Jesus often used such an approach in his ministry, teaching through images and illustrations and parables. We, we stand back and we wonder, if this is such an important message, Jesus, why didn't you just tell people directly? He did at times. But maybe he meant to be puzzling and get the people to question and even to be offended at times so that they would dig deeper into God's word. Like an engine that's running, the signs of a healthy faith are one that's growing and progressing and moving, not one that is stagnant. The Jews exemplified the stagnant faith, the monolithic faith that never progressed, never grew, because it was rooted in themselves and not in Christ. To speak of destroying the temple was about as offensive a remark as Jesus could give to the Jews. They venerated the temple. It brought their memories back to the greatest time in their civilization when King Solomon built it. Even though the temple at the time of Christ was not the exact one that Solomon built, and in terms of splendor, it was a mere replica to what Solomon built, it was nonetheless extremely treasured by the people. You see, the Jews saw the temple as the one place where God met man, where true and proper worship 
and sacrifices were received by God. This was the heart of their faith. This was the lifeblood. Without the temple, from the Jewish perspective, there seemed to be no point at all. And Jesus said he would destroy it. Indeed, we see this kind of thought even today at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. These last remaining stones of the temple at Christ's time that was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD are revered as sacred objects for the Jewish people. And many Jews today are waiting for God to set things right again, to restore the temple to its proper place. It's sad that the temple was destroyed. But the bigger tragedy is failing to see Jesus as the greater temple that still exists. The temple building was the place where God met man. But compared to Jesus... It was a mere shadow. He is true God and true man. He is the perfect union of the divine and human. Even more than that, Jesus rescued mankind, reconciled them to God, brought them back into righteous harmony by becoming what the temple signified, by becoming that one sacrifice for all of sin. No amount of animal sacrifices, no quality of human worship, no grand design of the structure could accomplish such a thing. To restore what had been lost by sin, something would need to be destroyed. And it wasn't the building. It was the body. Jesus was the chosen and holy vessel of the Lord that had to be destroyed by death upon the cross. The long-awaited embodiment of both the sacrifices and the sacred structure would be mistreated, would be maligned, would be killed by the very ones who were supposed to preserve the message of his coming. It was indeed a tragedy that the temple building was destroyed, but an even greater tragedy that so many have lost sight of the true meaning through Jesus. None of us were part of the Jewish culture who were entrusted by God to bear witness of the Messiah. But we have a similar responsibility today. As believers, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are charged with Him by being His voice in what we say, by being His body in what we do. Sadly, like the Jews of Jesus' time, we often fail in this task encumbered and burdened by our many sins and entangled in the traditions that we build around the work of God. Though we reflect with solemn humility upon our limitations and mistakes, we do not lose heart. And the reason we do not lose heart is because of what we stand for, the resurrection of Christ. The very heart of the message we preach is one of overcoming defeat and death. Yes, Jesus overcame the folly and stubbornness of the Jews who forgot their role. But Jesus also overcame the burdens that trip us up as well. John's commentary in our text tells us that even the disciples didn't realize the full impact of Jesus' words until after his resurrection. Sometimes we're slow to grasp the truth as well. 
But through Jesus' resurrection, we have what Peter calls a living hope. That means it does not perish. It cannot be overcome. It never falls short of delivering. And that is why we do not lose heart. We certainly can see ourselves in the place of the Jewish people whom Jesus spoke to. We are often stubborn. We are often careless. We are easily offended. We are often easy to trip up when God's word tells us what is right and what is wrong. But we do not lose heart. Christ's resurrection overcomes. So what does Easter mean? May we treat that thought with care and not allow our traditions to distract from the true meaning. Easter means we have overcome through a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Please rise.